Forests play a very important role in our lives. Every tree has its uses. As well as giving us wood for fuel, building materials, newspapers, books and medicine, trees also provide a home for a huge range of birds and animals. Trees and forests play an important role in the world's ecosystems too. As well as acting as a huge air filter, removing carbon dioxide from the air, trees retain water in the soil and keep it moist. Without trees to cover it, soil is more vulnerable to the effects of harsh wind, rain and sun. In many African countries, forests contribute significantly to the economy. More than 15 million people make their living out of trees, cutting them down to create space for farming, or logging them and selling them abroad. But despite our huge dependency on trees, their loss is one of the biggest problems facing Africa today. For every 28 trees cut down, only one is replanted. Now just 8% of Africa's original forest remains. In this film, we'll look at how people in different communities are managing their trees and land for the future, whether for food, income or the environment. We'll learn how, if we look after trees, they'll look after us. Mhanda Mabula owns a farm in central Tanzania. His land used to be badly degraded, with no trees and very little grass. But by planting trees, he has managed to dramatically improve the land, and today he is able to earn good money from his farm. The area used to be totally degraded. It has no trees and looked like my neighbor's land. The degradation was caused by people cutting down the trees for fuel wood and charcoal. In the past, Mhanda and his family also used to have problems finding water. We had difficulties getting water as there was none in the river. Sometimes we even spent the whole day without water. Encouraged by the World Agroforestry Center, Mhanda decided to change his way of life to ensure that his family had fuel wood, water and a reliable income. He started restricting human activity on certain parts of the farm, which allowed the land to recover. Seeds that were dormant in the soil germinated, and as a result, trees and grasses grew back. I noticed a difference here after two to three years. I realized that there was an increase of biomass. That is, grass and trees started to grow back of their own accord. Mhanda now enjoys the benefits of regenerating his land. I get many things from my area. Firewood, sugarcane, timber and thatch grass. 
all of which I sell to people. After harvesting grass for his own cattle, he has enough left over to sell to his neighbors. This extra cash has enabled him to build his family a new house. With more trees on his land, Mhanda is able to harvest some mature ones and sell the timber. Trees mean everything to me. I am now pit sowing. I have timber and I have firewood. So trees to me are everything. The presence of trees on his land has also had an effect on the amount of water in the area. As the water table has risen, Mhanda has been able to dig shallow wells for his animals to drink from and install a pump to provide clean water for his family. After the land had been regenerated, I built a pump so that clean water is available at my house. I also constructed some shallow wells and small dams to provide water for the farm. Collecting runoff rainwater is another way that Mhanda provides for his farm. Here he has shaped his land to guide the excess water into the wells. In making the contour banks, my aim was to increase the seepage of water and so reduce the runoff. This stable water supply has enabled Mhanda to grow sugarcane, which he sells at the market. Making bricks is another moneymaker. His life has seen many improvements. The difference between then and now is that now I have a better life. I have a decent house, which I didn't have before, and as you can see, many other things to be proud of. I also have cows which I can graze within my area and they provide me with milk. Mhanda realized that if he looked after the environment, it would look after him. This is a lesson he feels others should learn too. I have learned that my life depends on conservation. The problems that I used to have in the past, I no longer have because of this conservation. So I really appreciate it. My advice to my neighbors is not to hesitate in planting trees or letting them grow back in their areas like I did. Because trees reduce a lot of problems, so they should continue planting and managing trees. More than 70% of people in Africa live in rural areas. Depending on farming for food and an income is difficult, and increasingly, communities are looking for new ways to make the most out of their land. Planting trees is one of the simplest ways of doing this, but not many people have realized the benefits yet. Two people who have embraced the idea 
are Anthony and Agnes Katakwa. They have a farm in the Shinyanga district of Tanzania. Up until the 1980s, the land in Shinyanga was good and there were plenty of trees. But after that, a surge in the cotton business meant that many trees were cut down and not replanted. Agnes explains what life was like here before they started to plant their own trees. At the end of 1987, firewood here was scarce. We used to have to go a long way to get it. When we went, we had to leave at 8 in the morning, and we didn't get back until 7 in the evening. Then, in 1996, but we didn't really know how to plant them ourselves, so we just used to take ones from tree nurseries. But then someone told us about the Hashi project run by Ikraf and said that they would teach us how to plant trees. So my husband went along and met them and then they came back here with him and showed us how to plant trees. In 1997, we started to grow our own trees and now we have no problems. If you compare our farm with other people's, their grass is gone, but here we have everything. We have grass and the trees have leaves. Everything is here. Now, thanks to Ikraf's Hashi project, not only do they have a nearby source of firewood, but they also have an income, selling surplus wood to neighbors. As well as using the wood for firewood and construction, Anthony chose to plant trees which can also be used as fodder crops for his cattle. The Lucina lucifala is very beneficial for his cows. These young uh, Lucina trees have everything that the cow needs. For example, they have vitamins and uh, iron as well as uh, carbohydrates. Anthony uses the Senna tomalia tree as another fodder crop, whose leaves and seed pods are eaten by the cows. Since planting these trees, Anthony has seen a big increase in the amount of milk that his cows produce. An added benefit of fodder crops is that they provide a continuous food supply, even in the dry season. Before, for example, in the dry season, we only got less than two liters of milk, sometimes not even anything at all. And then in the rainy season, we'd get up to seven liters. 
But now we can get 12 to 15 liters of milk in the dry season and uh, up to 20 liters when it rains. Anthony and Agnes don't have many cows, but the few they do have are now much healthier thanks to the fodder crops from the trees. Improving the cow's diet has led to a higher yield of milk, which means that Anthony now has enough surplus milk to sell, giving him more money to spend on his home. Before my cows were improved, I was unable to build this house here, or even repair it. I couldn't afford to buy furniture like uh, the table inside, or buy a mattress. I was poor, and I didn't have the shoes that I am now wearing, and neither did my wife. And both of us had no new clothes. But planting trees has improved my cow's health and the farm. I am very thankful. Anthony urges his fellow farmers to cut down the number of their cows and to concentrate on making them healthier. Then they will see the benefits. Our traditional method of cattle herding has flaws. You can see that one herd can have as many as 30 to 500 cows. But these cows have nowhere to live, and it's not easy to take care of them. If that wasn't enough, the amount of water they need is very big too. So they often don't get what they need. For me, I only have two or three cows. This way, I'm able to get water for them even from places that other cows can't get water. So you see that my cows are the opposite of theirs. Anthony and Agnes now have a very different life as a result of planting trees. They are healthier, more prosperous and self-reliant and their environment has benefited too. Agnes has some advice for those who haven't tried planting trees yet. I advise people to grow trees. It's very good and lessens the hardship. If you grow trees, everything that you need you will get. In the 1930s, a government initiative to eradicate the tsetse fly led to a huge area of trees and plants being destroyed in the Shinyanga region of northwest Tanzania. The lack of trees, grasses and shrubs that had once been part of a dense forest here made life very difficult for the local people. Wood was scarce, soil erosion was widespread and there was a serious lack of water. Villager John Mbaga describes what life was like here. Life here was really hard. There was a lot of dust and the cows were having a tough time as there was no grass for them to eat. 
Secondly, there was no water and also no firewood, so people used to cook with cow dung. Those were the kind of problems we had here in this area. NAFRAC has been working with the Shinyanga community for the last 20 years, encouraging farmers to rehabilitate their land. Reverting to traditional farming practices, the organization reintroduced the Ngitili system of land management. Ngitili means safeguarding an area of land from grazing or firewood collection, thereby allowing the grass and trees to grow back naturally. Oh, exactly. 114. Exactly. Ramadani Juma Mzirai works with the local community and likes the simplicity of the Ngitili system. It's a very easy method of soil conservation because you can't, you can't, you can't play just to set, to, to set an area and you can market the area and you stop human activity, the grasses and the trees will come up. That's all, the cheapest method. We managed to reclaim about 300,000 hectares to 500,000 hectares through the system of Ngitiri. The community is now able to collect firewood use wood for building and harvest the grass in the rehabilitated area, which is sold for fodder and thatch. In addition, selling grazing rights to the land allows the community to generate a good income, which has been used to build classrooms at the local school. Now that the trees and grasses have grown back, the water table has risen too. Mama Hashi has lived in Chinyanga all her life and has seen the difference Ngitili has made. A long time ago, we weren't getting any water, which was a big problem. You could only find it in ditches by the side of the roads. But today, I can just go and collect the water and come back home, all because of these trees. Another benefit to the community has been an increase in the numbers and types of medicinal trees, as Stephen Maduka from NAFRAC explains. About 80% of the farmers in Tanzania depend on medicinal trees, on treatment. So by preserving the, these medicinal trees in their field, then farmers will, be, uh, will get relief on uh, uh, medicinal treatment. I will advise people to continue on domesticating these medicinal trees because these trees are, are disappearing. So it is better to conserve this for also for our younger generation. The Ngitili system has made a huge difference to the health and well-being of the Shinyanga community. Understanding the importance of preserving trees is something that Mama Hashi has learnt, and she hopes others will too. The community is now at ease. Their hardships have lessened. I would tell people not to cut down trees randomly. Conserve them. Trees are very beneficial for you. The Mutanjala Women's Society from Chinjala in eastern Zambia are women with a vision. Using a micro-credit scheme and harvesting alternative tree products to supplement their income, the women have improved their land and their way of life.
With a loan from Africare, a rural credit agency, they were able to buy some farm equipment. One machine is used to grind their maize and the other to extract oil, so the women can now produce sunflower, soya bean and groundnut oils. Margaret Zimba is the chairwoman of the group and explains how microcredit changed their lives. For people who have not organized themselves into groups, I would say organize yourself into a group. When you're in a group, you are able to access some credit facilities. And with a credit facility, for any business, you need a stepping stone because you have to have a place where you can start. Then from there, if you have a vision, you can go very far. Because here at Timotanjala Women's Group, we are looking forward to a time when we'll have a factory of jam making so that we, we will really go commercial, even international. Uh, a credit, it means you have to pay back. When you take a loan, you have to pay it back. And you have to have an idea how you are going to pay that loan back. But we at Mutamjala Women's Group, what we've decided is Every week, from the weekly takings, we take part of the money, we pay Zesco, that is our electricity, because we know we need the power to keep the hammer mills running. Then part of the money goes to for loan repayment. Then the other part we are keeping in the account for any ad, uh, adversities in times of problems, we are able to run to that account and be able to solve our breakdowns and whatever. The cash flow generated from the microcredit scheme is a first for the women, who in the past were unable to make or sell goods, only barter. Now, with help from ICRAF, the women make different kinds of jam using fruits harvested from their own trees and sell them to their neighbors in Chinjala and nearby Chipata. Making jams earns them a valuable extra income. With, with the jams, the community is able to enjoy the natural fruit, what God has given us. And they are really appreciating because uh, before we had the training on how to utilize the wild fruits, we, we were quite blank. Most of the time, okay, they were being eaten raw and that was it. But now we have uh, increased our processing into various uh, products. Miriam Mwanza believes the jam making project has helped her immensely. This project has been so important to me now. I do have no problem in my family. I help a lot of friends, teaching them. Even my family is well up now. I make a few of them and I sell them to my some friends in town. So the income, I'm okay. And I don't spend much because I just go in the forest and get some fruits. What all I spend is sugar. That's all. My school children, grandchildren, they are all well up with this project. The benefits of harvesting fruits have also had a big impact on the environment too, as the women are now replanting trees for their business. So we're not measuring the juice. Honorary male member of the group, Abaton Mwanza, has seen the changes. Yeah, it's very important. This role of protecting trees is important. And as in our group, in the community, we've started the program of planting trees in our areas and at least making sure that we make fire breaks around our forests so that we should not be not receiving fire. And teaching people how to plant these trees 
every year so that you should be having them. And we're even lucky, like here, we have got Msekera, Ikraf. These people are, are always out our doorstep, teaching us how to, how to conserve these trees. And at this time, you know, we're coming up with a good training and we are learning. The Mutanjala Women's Society now plans to build a factory and a shop where people can buy their jams. By organizing their community and learning new business skills, their future has been vastly improved. Margaret believes that working together is the key to success. As a, as a community, it's always best to get organized, be in agreement with one another, exchange ideas, because people with a, without a vision, they perish. Have a vision to uplift yourself. Once you have a vision to say, well, this is the we have to reach a certain standard of living, you'll find that you are working towards that goal. The beautiful forests of Africa are home to a variety of rare and diverse plants, trees and animals. These forests also support millions of people in different countries who rely on wood for their livelihoods. Here in Kenya, wood carving is a huge industry with over half a million people contributing to the trade. Traditionally, indigenous hardwoods such as mahogany and ebony were the preferred woods of both international traders and local craftsmen who use the wood for ceremonial carvings. But mahogany and ebony are slow-growing woods, which are not easily replaced once cut down. This high demand has led to over-harvesting, with supplies of wood being quickly exhausted. In turn, this has threatened the biodiversity of the forests and jeopardized thousands of jobs. So in 2002, WWF set up the Good Woods Project. The idea was to introduce farmers and carvers to alternative, quick-growing, non-endangered good woods such as mango, jacaranda and neem. By convincing the local farmers and carvers to switch to these good woods, the project has ensured that they have a stable income. It has also made progress towards the long-term goal of conserving East Africa's coastal forests. But the Goodwoods team faced some resistance to the idea at first. We had challenges in the beginning uh, because the covers that you see here have been covering for very many years and they basically were used to certain types of woods which they preferred and which the buyers were used to. So introducing the new woods affected both their business in terms of changing their skills in carving, understanding the qualities of that wood, but at the same time changing the attitudes of the buyers because the buyers also wanted to stick to the woods that they were used to. Changing the community's attitudes towards conservation has been one of Goodwood's biggest aims. John Salehe of WWF describes how tourism plays a significant part. WWF has been trying to support the communities in enterprise development in many ways. Goodwoods is one of them. Tourists buying wood carving, tourists buying um, other handicrafts, basketry. Now the communities are making more money and they are putting more money into the bank. And uh, this has changed the attitude of the communities around those areas in conservation. That it's because we have this sacred forest of ours, it's because of our culture, that's how we can get tourists. 
And if tourists come, we make more money. And tourists would like to visit somewhere where there's something to see. If the forest is gone, there'll be nothing to see. At the Akamba Handicraft Cooperative, there are over six and a half thousand carvers who rely on wood to earn their living. But not all of them carve with good woods. In order to encourage more carvers to make the switch, WWF introduced a certification scheme for good woods. Essentially, certifying carvings means keeping checks on everything from start to finish. This way, information is known about the type of wood, the farmer who grew it, the carver who bought and carved it, and the customer who bought the final product. Alex Kubi explains more. First we publish that we have received an order in this board here, and then members would come, queue up, and then as they allocate, uh, register themselves to produce that particular order, and then we go to the logger to select the appropriate log to produce that product. He goes, he does that, and then I'll follow up on quality check, plus a prototype of that. And then it, together, we work out through the product seat, through quality assurance system, take it to the kin and then back to the export department with a complete product. Now, after finishing that, we could come and publish the same from where it started, and then learning all over the history of that product from the beginning for the purposes of traceability. We have all captured in a document where we remain with, and then the customer, or even the cover himself, will know that I'm paid this much of money through this board here. And also the customer, when he's doing his follow-up, will come on the board and know, oh, my order is at this stage. It's a very important board. Peter Mungobi is a master carver. Originally a sandpaperer, he worked his way up and developed his skills as a carver. He has seen many benefits of the Goodwood scheme already. Before when we used to carve with the other trees like mahogany, it was difficult because we had problems getting the wood. But the neem tree is much easier to get hold of, so we can now use that instead. Neem is not a hard wood like the other trees, so we can carve it faster. Plus it's soft which makes it easier too. It has many good qualities and people are starting to realize that. The money that I get from carving helps my family a lot. I have a wife and child, and in the morning we can now have breakfast. My child is going to school, and I'm able to send money to my parents and save some of it for when I'm old. This money has allowed me to have another business, which gives me some more income. The link between carving and farming is an important one as the preservation of the forests really begins here. Akamba has links with 3,000 neem farmers in Malindi via the Coastal Forest Farmers Association. And through their relationship, both carvers and farmers earn their living. The Chamas Maita is a training coordinator from CFFA. Our role is actually to give farmers skills for them to be able to produce products as an initiative actually to, to be, for them to be able to grow trees. Because what we found is that after growing the trees for, uh, for carving, then in between the farmer has to get something to, to, to be able to increase his income. And that's how we come in, we give them skills. Mama Patience is one farmer who has been taking advantage of the many uses of the neem tree and is a champion of neem in her local community in Malindi. The neem trees here, I, don't, I have not planted any. They grow. Every time it rains, after the rains, they germinate, 
I just transplant them. You know, I just spread them out. I've been able to transplant a lot of the trees onto my farm. Uh, and I have been able to take care of the, the ones that I found. They grow very fast. Uh, you can see like this tree here. That's about three years old. And you can see its size. They grow very fast. As she is waiting for her trees to grow, Mama Patience is able to use the neem seeds to make soap, oil and cake, all of which she can sell to her neighbors, giving her a valuable income. While I'm waiting for them to mature, I can still use, you can see this is a, these are seedlings. Uh, but as they grow, I am able to use the leaves and when they start bearing, then I can use the seeds. The seeds, I, we crush them, we're using the oil press, we get the oil, we get the neem cake, we're able to, to sell for a bit of money. When I make soap, the, it's just bought in the neighborhood. I don't have to go far to sell my soap. Uh, my neighbors keep on coming and they get the soap and I get the, the income. So I think it's okay. Despite the success of Mama Patience in growing over 3,000 neem trees, other farmers have been reluctant to switch from growing endangered woods to good woods. But Mama Patience has some advice for them. I would advise them to, to be serious about their, their neem trees, because neem trees here grow. They just grow in plenty. You can see, like that bush there. That's, all those are neem trees. And they grow every year. So I would just advise them to, to take care of the trees. Mm? And that way they would be able to, to change their lifestyles. Mm. The Goodwood scheme has benefited everyone involved, with both carvers and farmers now motivated to conserve the forests. As plans are made to start projects in other countries, it's hoped that the forests in Africa will be preserved for future generations.